0: in this Columinati, all through your body, the blow's like a 12-game shot Feel me? And God said he's should send his one begotten son to lead the wild into the ways of the man. Follow me! Eat my flesh, flesh and my flesh, come with me. Hail Mary, run quick, see. What do we have here now? Welcome to The Good Life. I am The Good Doctor a.k.a. the Hilda Doolittle of podcasting. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at knowthegoodlife, K-N-O-W-T-H-E, goodlife. Why do you wear a watch when you probably carry your cell phone around with you 24-7, 365? One of the many things I've been thinking about is stripping things down to the essential core, but not getting extreme minimal, as that is no fun, boring, and just depressing. But the thing that really intrigues me is not just wearing a watch or not wearing a watch or uh, wearing all solid colors, black, whites, grays, browns, or living in a minimal prefab house with stark cold floors and all that shit, but rather the sense of being minimal enough and focusing on enough and whittling things down to the very absolute essential, most efficient form possible without being deprived, right? So the question is how can you be happy with very little in terms of material possession, but also have those material items that mean a lot to you. For me, it's books and Vino. It sounds so fucking douchey, Wine. If you meet someone that calls it Vino, just fucking slap them or punch them. But the question begs, one, how much is enough? Two, how do I present myself to the world? And three, ultimately, how do I be enigmatic? Because the key is if you wanna be successful in your career and your business and life is you have to present yourself outwardly as an enigmatic individual. You have to stand out. And the best way to do that, like I said, is to have a distinctive pair of glasses, that's it. Next topic, and I just fucking with you, but the glasses do help immensely, but the key is outwardly projecting a sense of being enigmatic. And it's funny, my friends talk about their children and how kids innately have this sense of being enigmatic within them, because they're not to the point yet where people judge them or criticize them, or they don't give a shit what people think, because they they don't understand, uh, you know, self self awareness or maybe not self awareness, but insecurities, self image issues. C- kids don't have any of that baggage, so they just want blue glasses. They want you know, camouflages, flat bill hats with. Skinny sweatpants and over-the-top Jordans, or you know, whatever kids or or Crocs with Spider-Man on them. And kids, kids inherently know how to be enigmatic, how to be their true selves, which is funny because they're like that tabula rasa. Where, when it comes to food, for example, they eat. if, If you lay out all foods on a table for children, meats, fruits, vegetables, seafood, junk food, whatever, kids will. Go first to the fruits. That was my hand on the marble table. I did not fart. Here, listen. That was a squeaker. But kids will go to the blueberries. They'll go to the strawberries. They'll go to the raspberries. Then they'll go to the broccoli, the zucchini, or the greens, or whatever. Because kids inherently know they have this sense of what what your body needs and what's right for self. So part of being an adult and being enigmatic is channeling those deep-rooted, childlike, inert feelings, inert gravitational pulls that lead you to certain areas. So take those layer on top and outwardly projecting persona, right? And that's with your clothes, with your fit, especially dudes, the fit of your clothes is so incredibly important. Wear clothes that fit, be enigmatic, give a shit about grooming, right? Especially in the workplace. Make sure your fingernails are cut every week. Make sure you shave and you're presentable. Make sure you have a good haircut that is current. Fuck, man. This should all be obvious stuff, but so vitally essential. So, dudes, clean, clean up your shit. Girls have a pretty fundamental grasp on all this stuff. It, there's really no need for women to take any of this to heart, although there are, are some women that are incredibly cerebral-driven smart, and they dress real sloppy. So, um, But for the most part, women don't have to worry about this. But dudes, get on top of your shit. Be enigmatic. Speaking of work... Let's talk about inbox zero. I'm sipping this hemp oil nitro. It's uh it kind of sucks. It's like four dollars and it comes from a coffee shop in Austin, but I don't know, I'm just on the fence with all these canned nitros. So Anyway, inbox zero, the goal at work, or the goal, the goal anywhere I think is that, I know is to have inbox zero, right? It's another aspirational goal. So inbox zero means there's no emails in your inbox. Imagine that, right? So how do you do it? Well, it's nearly impossible, but you can, I mean, the easiest way is just to create folders and then as soon as you get an email respond or act, action that email within one to two minutes of receiving it, either delete it, respond, throw it in a folder get rid of it, move on. So Inbox Zero is kind of like having a clean, quiet, calm, minimal house. Whenever you come home from work, it just puts your mind at ease. When you walk in, everything's quiet, serene, and its right place. It's organized. It's really a reflection of the inner person who lives there or who sits in that cube or who works on that computer or works on their phone. The Inbox Zero is essential for clarity in the mind during business so you can logically and rationally look at problems or questions or emails or any communication as they come in uh, y- your mind will be free to assess those speaking of emails 70 percent of emails should be in that title only so you're not only being empathetic to your other people that you send emails to but you can get your point across very succinctly very clearly try to write the entire email in the subject line although my mother-in-law used to do this and english is not her first language so she would write what, what time do you guys think you're going to meet us for dinner tonight at the restaurant? Do you want to eat at Wing Key or Confucius? Lobster, possibly? Text Daddy and let him know. We're like, fuck. She writes her whole fucking <laughs> email in the subject line. So I say just keep it a one-liner, but that's another pro tip for the office. So inbox zero, write all your emails, the majority of them in the subject line of the emails. And also, while you're at work, stay away from toxic people. Should be obvious, too, but at work, as you're observing your coworkers and observing your boss's footsteps and breathing, et cetera, keep an eye on those toxic people. I'm sure you know who they are, but you know, out the hourly appearances don't necessarily reflect inwardly who they are. So their actions, how they talk on the phone, and this is another big one, too, how they hang the phone up. You hear those people that slam the phone. That's fucking ridiculous. So when, Whenever you put your phone down, if you actually use a telephone at your desk and not your cell phone, Whenever you finish your call, just gently put the phone down and just let it click. The people that slam their phones, that's an early indicator that there's inner turmoil going on. Avoid those people. Fuck it. So anyway, I've been listening to uh, this Robert Greene interview on the Skinny Confidential Podcast, and Robert Greene, it's funny, he's strikingly, he sounds a lot like David Foster Wallace in This Is Water and how they, they get to that middle to later part of their life. And they talk a lot about wisdom and practicality and perspective and how there's a different way to approach situations a different way to react to situations things that come at you we can only choose how we react so they see, you know there's different ways to process external stimuli as it comes into your environment and a lot of these guys have all this overlap in their thinking and how they recommend you handle this stuff but the big takeaway is you know it seems like this this knowledge is out there it's in books it's in YouTube video, it's on podcasts, it's on multiple media streams and movies, music, but the the key is we never actually do shit about it. We never change how we communicate with that cashier at the grocery store when we're tired at 5.50 p.m. and they don't know the product code on your uh, cremini mushrooms versus your baby bellas. Well, they're the same thing. Bad example. They don't know the, the code on, on a shallot because they don't know what a shallot is. So you get pissed and say, oh, fuck, just just forget about it. So the key is there's there's a different way to handle petty frustrations, your day-to-day, day in and day out. And that's why I really want to give you guys micro domestic content and really dig into not just daily rituals and habits, but really tiny, small behaviors like doing the dishes, brushing your teeth, pick, flossing your teeth at your desk, uh, You know which house slippers to wear, really micro domestic things because all of these small details in your life and all of these choices, they all lead up to one thing and that is, drum roll, compounding over time compounding of these behaviors over time is immense it's probably is the most powerful tool that you should pull from this podcast these small incremental behaviors that you're aware of that are not unconscious anymore but rise to the surface and you can pay attention to change and have them compound day in and day out year over year over year over year again within 10 years Ten years is the magic number here, your 10 year career, your 10 year behavior change, all of these things compounding over 10 years will get you to a point, to a crossover point where you can essentially free up the rest of your life. First with your finances, second with your behavior to do whatever you want. So the micro domestic behaviors compounded over time are incredibly powerful. (laughs) And it's funny, Mr. Rogers, he talks about what is essential and life is invisible to the eye. He says, what is essential in life is invisible to the eye. So think about that when you want that quad on ice every day or when you want that new uh, Herman Miller, Eames Lounger from Design Within Reach that just went on sale for forty-four fifty plus tax and shipping. And if you do want that, who who am I to judge? But you should buy two and send one to me because I'm looking to furnish my library. <laughs> Santos palisander wood is not preferable. I I think that's actually probably the best wood for that chair, although the walnut is pretty nice. The walnut's classic, but Santos palisander, the Brazilian wood, is A1. So if anyone wants to buy me the Eames Lounger, black leather, Santos palisander leather, ship it my way. I'll pay for shipping. Now, how fucked is this? Your three-pound brain, right? Your brain weighs three pounds. It controls everything. Motivations, anxieties, desires, hunger... It's insecurity, ambition, sadness, happiness, everything. Three pound brain, right? Maybe I should go into neuroscience. I was a psychology major, so it's kind of, I'm basically a neuroscientist. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Fuck. How about this one? Don't fetishize food. I mean, how fucking gross are those Instagram accounts where they're just like 17 layer cheeseburgers oozing out fucking orangish, thick, gloppy, saucy cheese with, fuck, I don't even know, just, but then on top of waffle fries covered in chili cheese, goppy gloopy. Fuck, man. Food is a part of the good life. It is not the good life. It's f- f- Good food is not the end by any means. It's part of the good life. Obviously, you go for your friends and family. Once you're finished at table, you move on. Richard only would go out and dance to Edith Piaf in his living room with his friends and drink about 10 to 12 single malt scotches, but that dude partied hard. But he he fundamentally understood there's more to life than food and wine Although reading his autobiography, he might (laughs) come back with a different take But he was into painting, gardening, and uh, writing books and reading books And that dude led a quiet, hermetic existence out in the middle of fucking nowhere So God bless you, Richard Olney the best steak wine is Chianti Classico Why? The saltiness of the Sangiovese grape matches up well with the Saltiness and f- cuts through the fat of the steak So drink more Italian wine with your steaks They're really really good Speaking of wine and natural wine How about this? Natural wine Is it for real? Well Let's talk about three estates that are natty and biodynamic that never mention it. Domaine de la Romani-Conti, Domaine Lafleur, Chateau de Chem. There might be something to this whole biodynamic thing.